you know, every once in a while when we go home, the kids always want to know about me and my life and in and the past. And so sometimes there'll be these conversations around the table about, Nanny, can you tell me what Papa was like, or can you tell me what Daddy was like growing up? Those can be good conversations. Those can be humbling conversations. And they can also be embarrassing conversations. And so mom sometimes will say things like, well, your dad was a handful, okay? So, I, I mean, that sounds pretty good. I mean, handful. I mean, I, I can't ever remember in a time in my life where I was mean or nasty. Now, mischievous, that's a different story. But I don't think I was mean and nasty, but it seemed like when something went wrong, when somebody got hurt or something got broke, I was, it was always, where's Sydney? Okay? So, Rob, can you identify? I mean, you, were you that type of guy, too, that it seemed like every time there was something that happened, you always seemed to be in the close vicinity of what was taking place? And it wasn't really, you know, I don't ever remember a time being disrespectful. But, man, let me tell you, as Brother Steve Whitaker would say, there was, all, there was an awful lot of intense fellowship in my home from time to time. Okay? Some of you, you don't know what it is. We don't spank our kids these days, right? So you don't understand what that's like. But there was a lot of intense fellowship in my house growing up. I've told you the story. I have to tell it to you again. It's like the time my dad stood up in the choir and said, Pastor, would you just, would you, would you hold on for one second? Um, Sydney's, he stopped the service, okay? <laughs> Pastor Sydney's saying something back. He must be speaking something that's much more important than what you're speaking. Would you just ask him what he's got going on back there that's more important than you? That's a bad day. The ride home, it's quiet. Nobody says a word. You know you're going to get it, right? <laughs> it's a bad day. Thinking about all the excuses of what you can say when you get home to, to try to alleviate some of the pressure, Scott, because it's, it's going to get rough when you get home. So I, I, I thought in my mind, he sent me to my room. I was in my room. I, I had it in my mind, and it's... He came in, and, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, Dad, I said, you ain't going to believe this. The devil made me do it. <laughs> See, my mom is probably listening right now. She's probably going, Shep, you got to come listen to this. But I remember that day. I'll never forget that day because he looked at me. And there's sometimes you say things, and you wish you could have a redo, okay? <laughs> that was one of those days I wish I could have a redo because my dad looked at me, and he said, son, he said, listen, that's crazy. I mean, that's unbelievable. He said, but I'm going to beat the devil out of you. <laughs> and I, I just remember running around in a circle saying, he's gone. He's gone. I, pr I promise he's gone. <laughs> or the time that my dad spanked me and, and only to find out later that I didn't do what he thought I did. And I said, don't you feel bad? And he says, no, uh-uh. I mean, in any normal, civilized home, you would think there would be an apology. Didn't happen. And he said, no. He said, I don't feel bad because that's for the time I missed you. <laughs> Intense fellowship. Intense fellowship. I mean, we look back, and I can laugh about it now, but it was not a laughing matter at that moment in time. All right? I promise you it was not a laughing, not a laughing matter. Um, but very early on in, 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 in age, in life, there was a lot of behavior modification that took place, all right? 
And you sort of learn as you're growing up what you can do and what you can't do around certain people in certain environments. Are you, are we, we, we understand? I mean, there would, there would be things that you would do in this environment that you wouldn't necessarily do in this environment. And it wasn't just when you're early on in age because some of us do that even now as adults. It got awful quiet. There's some things that you'll do with your church friends over here that you won't do with your other friends over here. There's things that you'll do at the house that you won't do at work because you know that it'll cost you. And we've all done that to some extent. And so we have a way over time of developing a filter uh, of coming to grips with what we think or what we, what's acceptable, what's right or what's, what's wrong. And those filters help us monitor our behavior to hopefully keep us out of trouble. But then there are those times when it's not enough. There are those times, there are those times when all of a sudden the behavior goes haywire and the true heart is exposed. And it's like, oops, that slipped. I didn't really mean to do that. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. I don't want to talk about that over the over the next several weeks because. Just because you're good at monitoring your behavior and everything looks good on the outside doesn't necessarily mean that things are good on the inside. Are we there? I mean, just because you got a smile on your face and everything's going good doesn't necessarily mean that things are good. And so with that in mind, I want to look at a couple of passages today from God's Word. We want to start off in the book of Matthew in the New Testament. If you want to turn there in chapter 15, it would be great. But uh, we want to begin there, and what we want to do is I want to give you a little bit of a background, but here's Jesus, and he's talking to some of the religious leaders, and are talking, and he's teaching, and some of the religious leaders, they show up on the scene, and they join in in the midst of the conversation, because here they are, they're so concerned about how things look on the outside and the keeping the traditions that they had set, that they had come up, the traditions of the elders that were not the law, but they had, they had sort of created them so that they would go along with the law. And as a result of that, they're totally missing out on what Jesus is trying to say and what he's wanting to communicate with them. And so here they are in this conversation talking about clean and unclean. And in the midst of that, they were so concerned about the fact that the disciples didn't wash their hands. Now, that was a rule that we sort of used around our house, and probably, I'm assuming, that you use that around your house these days. Wash your hands before you eat, because if you don't, you may get a germs, sick. I mean, it's not unusual. And here it, are, here it is, that there, before they ate, there was, a, there was a conflict because they didn't clean their hands. And here's Jesus and, and, and he makes a comment in the, in there in Matthew, and he says, listen, what, it, what comes out of a man's mouth isn't what makes him unclean. Or what, what goes into a mouth isn't what makes a man unclean. And then he goes on to talk about what goes into the mouth goes to the stomach, and then it's on its way out. But Jesus is going to hit on a point here that is so vitally important for us to hear and in the middle of that conversation he makes a statement and this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 and I want you to I want you to listen to these words in Matthew chapter 15 verse 18 Jesus said this but the words you speak come from the heart that defiles you let me say that again the words you speak come from the heart that defiles you 
In other words, the things that are in our hearts will eventually come out of the mouth. Now, there's a better way to explain that or maybe another way to explain it is, listen, if you want to know where somebody's at, if you really want to know what something, what's going on in a person's heart, if you just listen to them long enough, you'll hear. You'll hear. We're to pause there for a moment. Just think about that. Some of us need to be better listeners because if we were to listen, we would know what was going on in the depths of people's hearts. You wonder where those hurtful words come from, those explosions of anger, where they come from? Jesus said, listen, you don't have to look any further because it comes from the heart. That's where it comes from. You can blame everybody else on your outburst and your attitudes and all the other things because there's always an excuse. But in the reality, Jesus said, what comes out of your mouth is coming from your heart from our hearts. There's no way around it. We can apologize. We can say we're sorry. We can do our best to try to, to, do, to do better. But the heart is still the same if there's no change. And it's only a matter before that garbage will surface again and do damage. And so I think in the midst of this that we can say that Jesus isn't talking about doing better or trying harder, but what he is saying that we need to recognize that what comes out of the mouth is a thermometer of what is going on inside of our hearts. And we need a heart check. That's what we need. We need a heart check. Because we can sit in an environment like this and everybody be okay. Everybody smile and say, I'm fine and you're fine, but everything not necessarily be fine because there's things going on behind the scenes that nobody else knows about. There are inconsistencies inside of our hearts that have never been dealt with because of years of pain or suffering or anguish or bitterness that has become seated in the dark crevices of our hearts. There are those things that we might say, oh my goodness, that was a mistake. But Jesus would say, no, it's not a mistake, but it was a representation of your heart. So it's not about doing better or trying to turn over a new leaf. It's not doing better at a, a better job at monitoring our behavior or our actions. But what we really need is an honest look at our hearts. I mean, if we were to take your heart and we were to open it up today, what would we find? Not what do we see on the outside, but if we were to take our hearts and there were to be a surgery that was done, what would we find in the dark crevices of our hearts? Because we can monitor our behaviors and our actions, and everything can look good from the outside and yet never deal with the core issues at hand that may be there. And Jesus goes on to say, and this may be really difficult to understand or grasp, but look at what he says there in verse 19. For out of the heart come evil Thoughts, And you'd say, no, that's not where evil thoughts come from. Evil thoughts come from your mind. But that's not what Jesus said. No, he goes on to say, for they come, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. And, and listen at some of the examples that he gives of some of the evil thoughts that come out of the heart. And he goes on to say in verse 19, from out of the heart come evil thoughts. And then he gives a list. Murder, I think most of us would agree that murder isn't good, right? One of the Ten Commandments, you break it, do not Honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery. I think we all can agree that that's not good. So he goes on to list murder, adultery. I mean, adultery just doesn't happen, does it? 
goes on to say all sexual immorality, theft, which is, which is greed. I mean, I want something and I can't get it, so I'm going to go take it. To whatever extent it is, because I want something, I will go to whatever extent to get what I want. And then he goes on to use the words lying and slander, which we might also be able to say or use the word jealousy, driven by jealousy. Because I'm jealous, I will do whatever I can to tear you down so that I can feel better about myself. And you might think, well, I just don't need to say those things. I just don't need to verbalize those things. No, no. Jesus' response was, no, you need a heart check. You need to check on your heart because something's going on that's not right. Because our actions aren't a mistake, but they're a reflection of what goes on in our, our hearts. And you can argue and you can say to me, but listen, my heart's in great condition. Let me ask you something that I heard not long ago. So tell, tell sign. How far would you go? What would you do if you knew that you could get away with it? If there were no consequences, if you got that get out of jail card, like that little monopoly, get out of jail for free, what would you do? I mean, if there were no consequences to your actions, if there would be no punishment, just how far would you go? What would you do? What would you say? What would take place? And we can be good at monitoring, we can be good at our actions so that others see what we want them to see, but yet there's still so much going on behind the scenes. Anger or greed or jealousy. And those things become seeded in the dark crevices and they just don't sit there, but seeds sprout when they're in fertile ground. And what is it that takes place that might only not just grow but wreak havoc on our lives and cause great destruction, not only just in your life but also in others? And so how can we be so quick to point out stuff in the others' lives that are around us and how is it that we can preach to our kids, which we do all the time, I mean, we do that. And yet we got the same stuff, the same behaviors and same attitudes going on in our lives is that which we're pointing our fingers at. We can know what needs to be done. We can adjust ourselves. We can monitor the behaviors on the outside, but that does not produce lasting change at all. But Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth, what comes out of the mouth comes from the, the heart. It comes from the heart. One of the wisest men ever to live, in the, and we're going to find this to the Old Testament. You might want to turn over to Proverbs chapter 4. Solomon, who we find his writings in the book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and also in the book of Song of Solomon. Solomon had a lot of things to say about a lot of things. He was a wise man. The Bible said the wisest to have ever lived. People would come for miles just to sit down and have a conversation with Solomon. And I can imagine what it was like because Meredith and I on our on our honeymoon, stayed with a pastor in Jamaica up in the mountains. And I remember one afternoon as we were sitting there, and all of a sudden these people begin to gather outside. And I asked Wesley, I said, Wesley, what are, what are they doing? And he says, well, they're, they're coming. They want to sit down and have a conversation. I said, well, aren't you going to have a conversation with them? He said, not right now. He said, they, they know when I'll meet with them. He said, they'll start gathering. They'll start lining up. The next morning, he started meeting with them. Some of them stayed overnight, just an opportunity to be able to be first in line and not have to wait. 
So I know what it's like to be able to sit there and to watch. And so just like they would with Solomon here, uh, with, with Wesley, here are these people that are gathering. They would come to want to sit down to have a conversation. And this is a great passage of Scripture that, that Solomon gives us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And this is a great passage to memorize. If you're into memorizing Scripture, which hopefully you are, this is a great passage to memorize, and it's not very difficult. And this is what Solomon says in reference to our heart, Proverbs 4, 30, uh, 23. Above all else, in other words, in light of everything that I've been saying, I want you to understand that this is what I consider to be most important. Above all else, listen, listen. He says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. In other words, what he's saying is that our heart is literally where life comes from. Our heart is where we, we live from. We lead from our heart. We parent from our heart. We make decisions from our hearts. We conduct relationships from the heart. We do business from the heart. And Solomon is saying that everything that we do flows from our hearts. And so to simplify, Solomon is saying this, that man, I will tell you what, our hearts are a big deal. They're a very big deal. Don't ignore it. Don't play around with it, but you better protect it. And then he gives the command. And what does he say? He says, guard it. Guard it. Watch over it. Protect it. And here's Solomon saying, listen, do not make light of the power of the heart because everything flows from our hearts. And as a result, you better guard it. You better guard it. You better keep an eye on it. You better keep an eye on what goes in as well as what comes out. And Solomon's saying that this thing that we call the heart that God has placed within us, we have to be careful to guard it because everything flows from it. Now, the Bible mentions the heart many, many times. Some, depending on which commentary you want to take a look at, a lot of times. Some say more than a thousand times the Bible deals with the heart. But when we think about the heart, we think about the muscle, the physical, the muscle inside of our chest that pumps blood, that sustains life and, and gives life. But the scripture teaches about another heart, the spiritual heart, a place where our emotions and our desires dwell. It's that place of our innermost being. Scripture also teaches that God has a heart. We talk about the heart of God, and in the Bible, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, we see that here's Saul's kingship, which had been taken away because of his disobedience to God. And the Bible says that God would seek after a man that, that, that sought after his own heart that would eventually take the place of Saul. God would promise the people of Israel, we see in Jeremiah 3.15, that if they would do certain things, he said, then I will give you a shepherd, shepherds after my own heart, who will guide you with knowledge and understanding because God has a heart. And because God has a heart, we have a heart. We said, the Bible says that we're created in his image. Genesis 1.27 says God created human beings in his own image. Imago Dei, but in the image of God. But this heart that we have because of fallen man is not pure. But now it's wicked. This heart is sinful. Going back to the Garden of Eden, Scripture tells us in Jeremiah 17.9 that the human heart is most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? In other words, sin has infected us and impacted us at the deepest of levels, our mind and our emotions and our desires. And because of sin, we can be blinded as to how sinful and how wicked we truly are. God knows our hearts, though. 
God knows our hearts. See, God sees what nobody else can see. And you might have said before, man, I know their heart, but you can't. Man, they got a great heart, but you can't see what God sees. See, you can't see the evil. You can't see the wickedness that's behind the decisions. It's impossible. But only God sees that. In the Gospel of Matthew, there was a story of Jesus that was healing the man that was paralyzed, and he told him that his sins were forgiven. And here are the Pharisees that they're sitting and questioning in their minds what had taken place. And the Bible says that Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to them in Matthew chapter 9, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Jesus sees to the innermost parts to see what we can't. Regardless of what's going on on the outside, of how happy we may be or how joyous we may say that we are or how fine that things may be going. And you know, when I think about growing up, I don't, what I think about is a lot of conversations about behavior modification. What to do and what not to do. What's right and what was not right. But I don't remember an awful lot of conversations about guarding or protecting my heart. I might have been three, but I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were at home. My mother had a family that was over. And as kids, you know, we had toys that we played with, and there were toys that we didn't play with. And so I had a toy that I didn't play with that much. And I remember this kid that was visiting, he started playing with this toy. That was my toy, by the way. Even though I didn't play with it, it was still my toy. And at the end of their visit, my mother took my toy that I didn't play with, but it was still my toy, and she put it with the mother, and she put it in the car so that he could take it home, and it could be his toy. But it was my toy, and I didn't want my toy going in his car. So in the midst of saying goodbyes, this bright little three-year-old went into the car and got his toy because it was his toy It was rightfully his toy, and to get it out so that he could now start playing with the toy that he hadn't played with in a long time. Oh, me. I bet you my mom remembers that. What an embarrassing moment. I don't remember if I got a spanking then or if it was later. But nobody had to teach me to be selfish, Larry. Linda, nobody told me, had to teach me how to be jealous. It was within inside of me. I mean, listen, uh, um, we are professional sinners. I was born with those traits just like you are. And along the journey, we might learn to monitor or edit the behaviors based on the, uh, the, the, the environments that we are in. We might be able to change the outward appearance. And so everybody says, man, he's, he's a great guy. But they have no clue what's going on the insides of the heart in the dark crevices of those places. And those wrestlings and struggles that we may be having. And Solomon said, listen, what is most important is guarding your heart. Man, you can go to church and you can sing. I want to have a clean heart. We can talk about having a clean heart. We can pray for God to give us a clean heart. Yet never experience it while going through all the religious motions that there are. So with that thought in mind, I'd like to take a look at our hearts over the next several weeks. And there's some of you going, I think I'm going to be vacation the next several weeks. <laughs> but not only your heart, see, this is for my heart. 
Because I wonder if there's any garbage that's down on the, in the darkness. I wonder if there's destructive stuff going on in my life that needs to be taken out and dumped. See, I wonder what it would be like maybe if we were to do an examination and there were to be some, some honest heart issues that were talked about and dealt with that would maybe allow us the opportunity to break free from that bondage that may be holding some of us back. That may be keeping some of us from experiencing the freedom that God would, would have us to experience. And I, I wonder not only if we were to examine our hearts and identify maybe some things that were going on, but what happens if we would even, even be able to, to grab a hold of some healthy habits that would help us deal with those issues of the heart so that we could experience freedom. And as we walk through this time, man, it's going to be really easy to focus on what is going on in everybody else's life. It's going to be really easy to point a finger at somebody else. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Holy Spirit begins to speak specifically about some things in your heart. Your heart. Because I wonder what may be going on behind the scenes that nobody else knows. And so here's the challenge. The challenge isn't to think about your spouse. The challenge isn't to be pointing your fingers at your kids. It's not to be thinking about your next door neighbors as we walk through this next month together. But the question is, how will you examine your own heart? And are you brave enough to do that? Not just settle with blaming everybody else for where you are, but to accept the responsibility of walking alongside of our Heavenly Father to break free from that junk that may be holding us in bondage. I mean, that's going to be the challenge over the next, next month. And every one of us can walk through our time together and we can hear everything that's said and we can discuss it and yet never do anything about it. I know that because I've been there. Because it's hard. It's like going to the doctor, the heart doctor, and he, and he sits down after all these examinations, after all these tests, and he, he sits you down and he says... Uh, he said, listen, man, I just want to tell you, he said, uh, things aren't the best, but I've got some really good news for you. I think if we do this, this, and this, that everything's going to be fine and we'll be able to bypass any type of surgery. I mean, you would think that the normal person would say, doctors tell me what to do. But how many of us say, no, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer, but doc I, doc, I just don't know. What about the person that says, whatever it takes? It can be really, really easy. And a list of excuses that we can give why I can't do what the doctor is asking me to do. But here's the point. For our hearts to change, there's got to be more than diagnosing the problem. But there's got to be some intentional work on our parts. I mean, it's one thing to know it, and it's there. And, but it's another thing to begin to deal with it. And it wouldn't surprise me if there were some of you here that would say, man, there's got to be an easier way. I mean, can't, we just, can't I just come down and talk to one of the overseers and pray about it and everything will go away? Probably not. Probably not. There's got to be an easier way. And then there are those that may would just say, listen, uh, it's because of so-and-so. The reason that my heart is the way it is is because of that person. And it can be so easy to blame other people and to point fingers and I may not even disagree with you. But listen, some of you just need to pick up a date and say, listen, I'm not going to allow that person to control my life any longer. 
You just need to choose a date on the calendar. And some of you say, man, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And if you were to tell me your story, I mean, I would listen to you and I would go, man, I understand. I get it. And it might be, sound very insensitive to, to tell you what, what, we, what, I'm, what I'm thinking. But what I'm asking is this, do you want to stay in the same place that you are? Or are you willing to take an honest look at the condition of where your heart really is and see if there's something that you can work on regardless of what's taken place in the past? There's nothing more that the deceiver himself wants to do than to destroy you with the lies that he brings our way. There's nothing more that the deceiver would want to do than to, than to have you come up with all these excuses or point fingers at somebody else and you continue to live in bondage the rest of your life. I know it's hard. But God just didn't give us a command to guard our hearts. But he also gave us his word to teach us how to go about doing that. So to finish up today, I'd love to be able to ask you a question. Simple question. But a deep question. A difficult question, a heart-wrenching question. And that question is this, how's your heart? How's your heart? How is your heart? Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says this, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit inside of you. You know, so many times we talk about Christianity, what we talk about is behavior and what we see. And yet what's at the core of who we are isn't the behavior. It's the heart. And what's in the heart will eventually come out of the mouth. And what's in the heart will eventually control how we choose to live. So let's not talk about so much behavior modification and cleaning up the outside. I think God wants us to talk about the heart because if you change the heart, it changes your life. Are we on the same page? But this can be hard because it may dig up some junk that you got to deal with that you don't want to deal with. It may dig up some stuff of the past that, man, you've been using it as a, as a crutch and as an excuse for years and years. Some of you may even get mad and get angry because you just don't want to go there. But how's your heart? That passage again in Ezekiel, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. No matter what condition your heart and life may be right now, God can give you a new heart and a new life. Not just fixing the outside or painting the barn. Listen, you can paint the barn all you want to, but if the foundation is unstable, she will fall. She'll fall. It was David who came face to face, not only with his sin, but also the condition of his heart. And it was David who prayed this in Psalms 51, God create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I want to ask our overseers to come down now because there may be some of you in just a few minutes as we are finishing up that you want to come and you'd like to pray with one of these overseers. 
Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never experienced a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but in a few minutes you may come to that place of saying, man, I, I don't, I'm not a believer. I don't know Jesus, but I surely would like to talk to somebody. And some of you might be sitting here as these overseers are coming and you're saying, man, this is crazy because my heart's good. I mean, don't you know my church attendance? Don't you know how much I give? Don't you know? I say, I don't know. I don't know. But God knows. God not only knows what you do, He not only sees what you do, but He sees the motivations behind the heart. And on the front side, it seems that everything is fine. But is it? And so as we finish up today, I, I thought I would finish up not only with, a, with that question of how is your heart, but I thought I would give you some some other questions to sort of sit and to soak on and to think about. Because this will tell us a little bit more. Would you bow your heads just for a second with me in the quietness of this moment? Let me ask you a couple of questions. Question number one. How is your heart? How is it? You mad at anybody? Has anything come out of your mouth lately that's hurt another person or that you've yet to apologize for? How's your heart? Have you secretly applauded another person's failure lately because of your own jealousy? What about secrets that you're carrying around that you're hoping that nobody finds out? Have you lied recently? could be a big one, could be a little one, maybe you've got an excuse for it, but have you lied? Have you lied recently to somebody that you love? Are you struggling financially and in over your head in debt because there is stuff that you just can't seem to do without? How's your heart? Have you blamed anybody else lately? Have you used somebody else as an excuse? Have you used another person as an excuse to cover up for your own behavior and your own actions? How's your heart? Bitterness? Unforgiveness? Is there something else that's destructive that's taken root in your heart and you can't just seem to let go of? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to give you a statement and see if you just would repeat this after me. And I'll say it one time and then I'll ask you to see if you'll repeat it with me. But would you repeat this after me? Lord, teach me. Just in the quietness of the moment. Lord, teach me. Lord, teach me to guard my heart. Lord, teach me to guard my heart for it is the wellspring of of life. Lord, teach me. Teach me to guard my heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Father, this is what I'm praying that over the next several weeks, that as we take a close look at our heart and as we examine Father, if there's something that's holding me in bondage, what I'm going to pray is that, God, you help me to break free 
from whatever that is so that I can live in freedom. Father, I want to learn how to keep watch over my heart as you instructed me. Father, I want to be able to break free from that junk that has a tendency to, to weight me down, that, has a, that I have a tendency to carry around in my heart that nobody else can see. Father, help me to pay attention and keep watch and to guard my heart because you said it was from the heart that everything flows. Father, help me to be very attentive over these next few weeks. Help me to make a commitment not to miss. Help me to be very open to the conversations that may take place and not to make an excuse, but just to ask the Holy Spirit to speak and that I would respond. Thank you for hearing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take you back to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, because what is a great passage of Scripture. Great passage of Scripture to be able to memorize. I don't know if we've got this. Can we throw it up on the screen just for a second? I want us to, to be able to, to read this together. This is a great time. But Solomon said, above all else, what does he say? Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Say that again. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Just one more time. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And here it is. How's our hearts? I don't want to come out of this time being better people. I want us to come out of this time being God's people. Not just looking good on the outside. But what is it that I can do to do some business with some stuff that maybe has been going on behind the scenes for many years that nobody knows anything about? I've been carrying that stuff away around. It's just been weighting me down. So Jesus, will you help us to break free? That's what I want us to do. I want you to go out this week. Man, I want you to have a great day, a great week. I want you to go to live for Jesus because when you live for Jesus, you become a billboard and you make his name known, not your name. I don't want you to make the name of heritage known. I want you to make the name of Jesus known. I want you to find other believers within the workplace and in the, in the community, and I want you to, to partner and to begin to pray with them. I want you to live for him. Not just better behaviors, but can you imagine what would take place if our hearts were cleaned out from some of the stuff?